Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar has been on a faith journey. He has been on this journey of faith since we begin chapter 2. Chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4 that we'll see today are outlining the aspects, really a theological view and understanding of faith. Let me give you a theological, quick theological overview of the idea of faith. Three parts that faith has to have. The first part of faith is that faith requires some knowledge. That's the first part. In other words, you can't have faith in something that you don't know anything about, right? I mean, let's begin there. If you don't have any knowledge about it, you can't place your faith in it. So the very first thing that we have to begin with is there has to be some knowledge. Now, the knowledge doesn't have to be uh, all-encompassing. It doesn't have to be everything, but it has to be some. There has to be some awareness. You can't place your faith in the God of the Bible. You can't place your faith in Christ if you don't know anything about him. How can, how, can, how can they know unless someone tells them? So we begin there. It, it, you cannot have faith without knowledge. When we read chapter 2, what do we discover about King Nebuchadnezzar? He is made aware. That's ultimately what it, what it does. Chapter 2 says that he has some, now has some knowledge that there is a God of heaven, the one true living God. Why? Because Daniel comes in and not only told him how to interpret his dream, he told him, this is what you dreamt. And only the one true living God knows the secrets and knows the hearts of men and knows exactly what you dreamt without you having to tell me. So now King Nebuchadnezzar has not placed his faith in this God, but he's at least aware of him. Okay? So faith begins there. You have to have some knowledge. The second thing that is required of faith is not only do you have to have some knowledge, the object of your faith must be true. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I can believe with all my heart that if I were to stand here in the gym and twirl around with my arms extended and go really, really, really fast that I could uh, elevate like a helicopter. Now, I can really believe that with all my heart, right? And say, I really believe, and I've got faith, that if I just spin fast enough with my arms out like, you know, like they need to be, uh, that that could happen. The problem is, is that true? Would that match up with, apart from divine intervention and, uh, and God stepping in to, uh, to counter uh, physics, is that possible? No. So it doesn't matter if I place my faith in that or not, because it, it, it hasn't been verified to be true. The object of our faith must be true. What did we discover in chapter 3? As we continued with chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar discovered that this God is, is not only able to reveal secrets, but he is true. He is, in fact, able to deliver God, his people. 
he is able to care for them. So Nebuchadnezzar now has not only knowledge, but he now has evidence, actual evidence, that the one true living God is true. Then there's the third part of faith. It's not enough to have knowledge. It's not even enough for the object of our faith to be true. There, this is where action comes into play. There has to be a submission to the object of worship. There has to be an action that says, I submit myself to the object that I have placed my faith in. In other words, I believe that that chair would hold me up. I have some knowledge of chairs. I've seen them before. I know that they work, and I see other people, and I see the evidence of it, so it must be true. And I believe that if I were to sit down in that chair, that it would hold me up. So I have moved from some knowledge to evidence that it would do so to doing what? I have to then sit down in the chair and submit myself to the object of my faith. That's what we're going to see in chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar has seen the evidence. Nebuchadnezzar has been made aware that there is one true living God. But yet we have one more dream. And it's this dream that's going to prompt him into action. It's this dream that is going to either, he's either going to sit in the chair or he's not. He's either going to place his faith in the one true living God or he's not. So let's begin here. Key point number one. The Lord exposes the idol of pride. The Lord exposes the idol of pride. We're going to follow the narrative of Daniel chapter 4. And the following chapter, as I said earlier, it's, chapter 5 is going to be Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. No T, like Belshazzar is the, is the Babylonian name for Daniel. Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's son. But the Lord begins then, and Daniel chapter 4 uh, begins to speak to Nebuchadnezzar through another dream. Let's pick up verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. So we're, we're, here's where we're picking up, right? Nebuchadnezzar is now writing. This is first person. King Nebuchadnezzar is writing to the people. One of the reasons, certainly, that it was written in Aramaic, right? Nebuchadnezzar, the king to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now, if you're like me, did you just go, wait, what? Is this the same King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Are you pausing and going, this doesn't sound like the same guy that we have been looking at at all? This is not the same. Surely, to goodness, that what happened? This does not sound like the guy from previous chapters. This doesn't sound like that guy that was short-tempered. This doesn't sound like the guy that was a tyrant and would just throw people into a furnace that was seven times hotter than it had ever been before. This doesn't seem like the guy whose anger escalated quickly at a whim's notice. 
he was about to explain how this change took place. I mean, you think about this. Is a peace be multiplied to you? The last declaration that we read from him did not begin that way. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God, and then he even mentions the kingdom of the everlasting kingdom, and he acknowledges that it's not his Something has drastically changed in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. So we get to see what it is. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. This is that part of the testimony where he's, he's saying, I thought everything was good. I thought, it, I thought everything was fine. I was looking around and going, man, this is pretty sweet. You know, I've got multiple homes I'm living it up. I have one of the one, seven wonders of the world built right here in my backyard. And, you know, we have the, the hanging gardens, you know, right here. What an incredible, verse 5, I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream. But they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, in, whom, in him is the spirit of the holy God. Now, it's interesting here that this parenthetical uh, phrase is used here. Do you see? But at last, Daniel came before me. He used his Hebrew name. He used his Hebrew name. King Nebuchadnezzar said, uh, you know, I just, I, I gave up on all these other guys, and I said, hey, go get Daniel. And then he has this parenthetical insert. You guys might know him as Belshazzar because that's the name we gave him when we, when we brought him here. We gave him a Babylonian name, and we've been calling him Belshazzar. But here King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges his Hebrew name. I mean, let's not skip over that. How significant is that? He's backing up and he's saying, look, I know I gave you a different name and I tried to label you differently than who you are, but the one true living God clearly is within you and I'm going to at least acknowledge that your name is, in fact, Daniel. But for sake of those who are reading this, he puts this parenthetical thought, by the way, you might know him as Belshazzar. And I told the dream before him, saying, verse 9, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was good for all. The beasts of the field found, share under, found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed that there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. 
he cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from underneath it and birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in its earth, in the earth, bound with a, a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast. And let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers. And the sentence by the word of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Gives it to whomever he will. And sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. And now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation. Since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me its interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. What an incredible passage. I don't understand really why he didn't bring Daniel in to begin with. Unless God was just making the point that no matter what your attempts are, um, you're not going to be able to do it apart from him. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes these words. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as, you, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you, end quote. I love that. As long as you're looking down, you can't see what's above you. Nebuchadnezzar is an amazing case study concerning the idol of pride. However, we must remember that pride is not limited to people in high offices. We cannot fool ourselves into thinking that uh, pride is only for those that... Uh, that, that are in political office or in a position of authority. Pride can manifest itself in many arenas, even in our own life. And unfortunately, pride is one of those things that we often fail to recognize in ourselves. Again, C.S. Lewis writes, There is one vice in which no man in the world is free which everyone loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they themselves are guilty. So pride has a tendency to cause us to lose perspective on reality. Pride causes us to not see things for as they truly are. Nebuchadnezzar had a lethal combination in his life of pride, power, and a temper. And that is a dangerous, dangerous combination. Because of his power and his temper, it could prevent some people from confronting him about his pride. 
if you were to confront him about his pride, it could mean that he could explode and throw you into a furnace, throw you into a den of lions. So I'm sure that people were cautious. Daniel, on the other hand, he did not seem to be so concerned about calling out King Nebuchadnezzar in his pride.